Our scripture reading comes this morning from 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 29. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what He promised us, even eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Before I begin this morning, I did forget a joy um, that I meant to share with you all. Our childhood director who leads our Mother's Day Out program and our latchkey ministry, uh, Jillian Rink, graduated with her associates in early childhood education from CCC on Friday. So when you see her this week, be sure and tell her um, congratulations. Also, I know Mindy shared it on Facebook yesterday, so um, if you've said congratulations on Facebook, I'm sure she's seen that as well, but it's just an exciting thing for her to get that accomplishment, and, uh, and so we're, we're happy for her. She's worked hard this last year uh, doing her job here and also going to school at the same time. Uh, this morning, we're going to be continuing our look uh, through the journey of the New Testament letter, 1 John. Last week, we began our look at this short letter of the Bible. As we read these words from John the Apostle, as he strives uh, to fulfill the charge that Jesus has placed on his life at the end of his gospel, which is in John 21. If you remember in John 21, when Jesus has appeared before the disciples, before he ascends into heaven, there's a number of appearances that he has before them. And on one of his last ones, after he's eaten bre- uh, breakfast with them on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, Peter, uh, Jesus takes Peter and he's talking to Peter, and then the disciple John is following them. And in John 21, Jesus places a call on John's life by saying that he would now serve Christ by being a witness to his life, his ministry, and his resurrection. And so as we have seen, John did so in a number of ways, mainly through his preaching, through his teaching, and then also John served as an administrator of the church when he was based in the city of Ephesus, which is the red dot on the map, 
where he administered all of the churches in that region. And, um, and during that time, he wrote a number of letters that were intended to have been read in all of the different churches in that region as well. And so last week, we began reading one of his letters, which was 1 John. And last week, we looked at 1 John chapter 2, verses 13 through 14. And in those verses, we spent some time talking about how John goes to the very beginning of the Old Testament, and he looks at the Old Testament and the ancient faith of the Jews in order to lift up the Ten Commandments that were brought down Mount Sinai by Moses. Last week, John takes the Ten Commandments and he compares them to the love that God offers us through his Son, Jesus Christ. Last week, we said that John's argument and use of the Ten Commandments was to remind the early church that it's impossible for us when we think about a, a group of a list of commandments or a list of rules, it's impossible for us to follow them perfectly. It's impossible for us to follow them and, and to, re- re- to receive salvation on our own accord. And so John lifted up the Ten Commandments <clears throat> to get followers of Jesus to realize And to accept that we can't achieve salvation, we can't have a perfect relationship with God by just following a bunch of rules perfectly. Because we know we are imperfect. And so the commandments help us to see, they help to remind us that what we need as followers of Jesus is we need the grace of God that's offered to us, and how the grace of God that is offered to us is something that changes us through our heart and also through our mind and also through our life, not just a rule thing. And so we come to Jesus in our belief in him. And it's our belief that changes our actions, it changes how we choose to live, and it changes how we choose to relate with each other. And so today, John has taken this this message that we looked at last week where he lifts up the Ten Commandments and he talks about how the, the Ten Commandments are to steer us towards the love of God and the realization that it is only through the love of God and the offering of Jesus Christ that you and I are able to achieve something greater than, than, than us. And he continues this same thread by having us see that the grace of God is, is a heart and a life thing and not specifically a rule thing by talking about the things that we love in our lives. And so he writes, Do not love the world or the things of this world. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world. For all that is in the world is the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride and riches, comes not from the Father but from the world. And then he says, and the world and it desires are passing away, but those who do the will of God live forever. So John says, do not love the world or the things in this world. Another way of saying that, depending on the Bible translation, if you're reading it, he says, reject the things of this world. And what does he mean by saying that? Reject the things of this world. Since the earliest times in the Christian church, there have been Christian communities that have taken um, this interpretation to an extreme. And so an extreme idea of reject the things of this world would be to uh, go as far as to say that a Christian should withdraw from the larger world and avoid anything and everything that is outside the community of faith. 
And so that would be those people who, who choose to withdraw from the larger world by, by going into a sect or a group or a commune of sorts or even choosing to be a hermit living off by themselves. I think this is an extreme interpretation of this teaching of John. And I don't think it's biblically correct if we consider how it lines up with the other teachings of Jesus and if how it lines up with the very teaching that Jesus has placed on us as his followers. And I don't think John would have seen it as consistent with the ministry of Jesus either. I mean, the only time John was by himself was when he was exiled to the island of Patmos. Otherwise, he was surrounded by the Christian community and even when he was on Patmos, he was able to see people. In fact, if we think about the extreme version of, or interpretation of, of the idea of rejecting the, thing of this wor- the things of this world, it really flies against the Great Commission, doesn't it? Which is Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, where Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. It flies in the face of the Great Commission because what does Jesus say? He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. See, it's kind of hard for us to reject the things of this world, to reject the world, to withdraw from larger community if we're attempting to be faithful to the Great Commission, isn't it? We have to be faithful. And being faithful means that we have to go out into the world in order to come in contact with those who are not in the church. We have to carry the gospel out of these walls by carrying who Jesus is in our hearts, in our lives, and what Jesus means to us, and what Jesus has done for us. And we have to carry Christ into the lives of others. And so we can't live into the call of Jesus to carry the faith to others if the gospel that we choose to follow is a gospel that tells us to reject the things of this world and to withdraw ourselves from the world and to not be a part of a Christian community and to try and live and practice our faith and everything else in isolation. See, it just doesn't work, does it? And so when John says, reject the things of this world, what John is saying is he's saying, take stock of your lives. And look at who you are, look at how you're choosing to live, look at what you're prioritizing, look at what you place your emphasis on, look at what you spend your money on. Look at all of those things. Take stock of who you are and of what's important to you. We have to take the time to identify those things that we place ahead of or above God when it comes to our lives. This means that we have to prioritize what we're doing in our day each and every day. This means we have to prioritize what we're doing each and every week. This means we have to take stock or emphasis or assessment on what we emphasis we place on physical objects, on people, on relationships, whatever it is. We have to structure our lives. Not so that we're rejecting the things of this world, but so that we're placing emphasis on the things of this world that fill us and help us to grow closer to God. I think that's what John's saying to the church, is he's saying, look at what you love, look at what you you place your emphasis on in terms of what you love, and see how it stacks up compared to God and compared to Jesus Christ. 
And so John summarizes in his letter, he says, the things that, that we reject are, or the things that, that we place love on are, are things of the flesh, on eyes, or on life itself. And he says we're to reject those things that place us in rebellion or in opposition to God and his will for our lives. We're to be aware of those things that draw us away from God, that draw us away from our relationship with God. We're to look out for those things in our life that that perhaps have the temptation to become idols for us. Realizing that whenever we place something before God, that thing becomes an idol. And realizing that as we place things before God and those things become idols, those idols demand more and more of our worship. They demand more and more of our time. They demand more and more of our focus. And they take us away from truly serving God, from truly growing in our relationship with God, from truly studying His Word, from truly doing whatever it is that we need to be doing to grow closer to Him. See, when we focus on the things of this world, the idolatry that we practice draws us into the lie and draws us into the idea that we can love the wrong things. It causes us to worship the things that we should not worship. And there's this temptation to to love the wrong things. That's consistent throughout the gospel, that, that it's something that the people of God, that the people of Jesus, that the people of faith have to fight, have to confront, have to resist. And it's not just the words of John. John's not the only gospel or apostle or letter writer in the New Testament, epistle writer, who writes how we have to assess who we are and, and assess what we love and assess what we place our emphasis on. Peter writes about this in his letters. Paul writes about this in his letter. In fact, in Romans 1.25, Paul writes to the church in Rome. He says, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. And so what Paul is saying that goes right along with John's words is that the temptation before us is to idolize or to worship the created things of this world and not to worship God himself. And so what we do is we exchange the truth of God for whatever lie, for whatever sin, for whatever false thing it is that we place in our crosshairs, that we place in our focus, that we put our emphasis on. And we focus on anything and everything except Jesus. Whether we're worshiping the wrong things, even if those things are, are good, if we're worshiping things, then we're falling prey to looking to the wrong things, right? Even if we're worshiping things, you know, in the creation, when, when God created the earth, when God created all things, what did he say at the end of every day? God created the, the whatever it is, and he called it good. See, the temptation there is is we can even look to things that God would have called good, that God calls good. And if we place our worship on them, then we're still missing and we're still placing our love falsely on things that we shouldn't be loving or emphasizing. See, friends, the temptation to worship and to, to follow things that are counter to the gospel is always before us. The temptation is always there for us to to worship and follow things that that advance us rather than advance the kingdom. And so John wants us to know 
He wants us to take stock of what we are doing and of how we are living and of what we're placing our emphasis on each and every day so we know what we're worshiping. And then he wants us to be on guard for other things that we might falsely love. His concern in the early Christian church, in the church there in Ephesus, and in the region where he wrote the letter is uh, those who have been in the Christian community and have now left. And as they've left, they've gone and they've professed to have discovered a, a false faith or a secret faith or a false truth that just isn't biblical. And so John confronts them, and, and basically it's the same argument he uses against assessing the things that you and I assess, the things that we worship, the things that we place our emphasis on. He's saying, what are the things that you falsely love? What are the teachings that you follow that are falsely true? Because they're not true. In John's time in the early church, one of the major things that, that they were confronting was uh, people who were professing that Jesus was just a biblical man. Or, I'm sorry, just a physical man. And as a physical man, he could be crucified, he could experience pain, he could experience death. And they professed that Jesus was only a physical man, only human, because they didn't believe that God, the divine God, could be crucified or hurt or killed or anything else. And so what they believed is that when Jesus was born, he was fully human. And as Jesus was a child, he was fully human. And as Jesus grew up, he was fully human until he was baptized. And then when he was baptized, the Spirit of God descended upon him. And then he was uh, fully God, fully man for uh, three years. And then before he got crucified, God departed him again. And so the only person who was crucified was the physical Jesus. All right, this teaching is a rejection of the Incarnation of the belief that Jesus was both God and man, which is who we worship, which is who we profess, which is who the historic church has always said that Jesus was and is. But this teaching doesn't work. It's counter to the gospel. It flies counter to the words of Jesus himself when he tells the, people, the disciples, the Son of Man must suffer. And on the third day, he must rise again. Or the other times that Jesus went to the disciples and told them what was going to happen to him. Friends, what it does is it misdirects our focus and our faith from the Jesus of the Gospels and the Jesus of the New Testament. And that's why John's talking about it. Because in both the first part of this scripture and then this part, both of them confront and deal with and ask us to ask the question, uh, what am I focusing on that doesn't focus my love on Jesus? What am I loving that I'm putting before God that's become an idol in my life that, that keeps me from truly loving God and loving Jesus? Because when we love the wrong things, we miss the main point of what it means to be a Christian. When we love the wrong things, we miss the main point of being a Christian, which is believing in God, believing in Christ, and be, believing that in Jesus, God has forgiven us our sins and offered us a relationship with him. And so when we love the wrong things, we're denying Jesus. We're denying that truth, that biblical truth. When we love the wrong things, we're placing our, our emphasis on things that, that don't help us to grow in God and don't help us to grow in relationship and faith with each other. When we deny Jesus... We deny his salvation and we deny ourselves the opportunity 
to have our hearts and lives changed, not by our work, but by our belief in Him and our acceptance of His grace. See, when we love the wrong things, we're unable to fulfill the Great Commission. We're unable to go and to make disciples for Jesus Christ because we're focused on ourselves. We're focused on our preferences. And we're focused on the wrong things that don't lead us closer to God. So I think what John would say to us today as we're reading his letter, if we were to listen to his teaching and if we were to think about what he'd say, I think he would say, take stock of who you are and what you worship. Place God at the front and assess everything else that you do so that in all things you may glorify Christ who strengthens you, who gave himself for you, and who offered his life for you. Amen.